Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. My name is Justin. Guys, hello. Oh, Justin. What are you, Justin, are you, is Justin here, Tom? You sound a little nasally. Are you sick again? I'm both sick and stuck in a computer. Yeah. Jeez. It's, it's like Tron and the Andromeda Strain. Two classic movies in one with Hey, what? this is good from Party Cat. I think you comes to be talking shit about my bags. Oh, God damn it. Wait, damn wait it. a minute. Did somebody just crash yeah, the party? Fucking tough talking. Like, you're sitting in New York talking shit about abandoned Scotland? Okay, <laughs> listen, guy. Uh, first oh, of all, how, how do uh, I? Is this really Chris Ryan of Party Cannon and Iniquitous Savagery? Sure is, man. I'm here with oh. fucking vengeance. Okay, <laughs> call me a dope band. Compare me to Oakley Dokley. Okay, okay. Slow down. Listen to my band. Whoa, let's slow down a minute. Slow down a minute, okay? I, I can explain everything, Chris. We we've been having a lot of fun up here on better. the pot. Okay, <laughs> you don't explain. You'll be spending Christmas in a wheelchair. These Scottish guys, man, you can't get them riled up. Listen, guy. Oh my God. All right, we're. Uh, I'm gonna take you to a pub. We're gonna we're gonna sort this out. Everything's gonna be fine. All right. The you really whole- gotta change these passwords. This yeah. is crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> call up Sherwood Weber. Tell him to stop giving out our passwords to everybody. He's one step wild. ahead of us. All right, Chris. Listen. I, I'm sorry. I said the Oak. Oak I, I put you guys in the same box as Oakley Doakley and the the Ronald McDonald Doom Band. All right. All right. I, 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 there I get you, man. You guys, you guys support the underground. You're underground death metal. You got the guttural vocals. You got the slams. You you guys have been around the underground scene. I get it. It's not the same situation, okay? Chill out. All right. <laughs> I'd like to mention work Google before I talk about the vans. It's all good. Okay, listen. I'm going to do a quick uh, Ask Jeeves search next time. <laughs> I, 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 I start talking shit, all right? But listen. Sherwood Weber of Skinless gave you our passwords, apparently. We got you here now. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to have to cancel the Oakley Doakley interview now, and we're going inter- <laughs> to... All right. Let's let's get serious. All right. Let's get serious for a minute. Chris Ryan uh, uh, of Scotland, bass player um, of Party Cannon and Iniquitous Savagery, also involved in other projects over the years. We're going to get down to it. Um, Chris, I would like to formally apologize to you and your bandmates for lumping you in with the Oakley Doakley boys and other such uh, gratuitously humorous <laughs> acts. And I'm hoping we can... If you're in a band party can, people are going to talk shit about you no matter what. But I'm going to say, being lumped in with Oakley Doakley is probably the most offensive thing someone has ever said to me. Mm. Like, I'll, even in my personal life, outside of the band, like, that, that one got me, man. Uh. It would be like... Said like deathcore band and stuff. People been like, "Is this a porno grind band?" But no, Oakley Oakley, that got me, man. That really, that really drove the knife in there. Mm. All right. Well, listen. I want to get to the bottom of your involvement in underground music and talk about everything you do to 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 give fuller and richer context to the world of Party Cannon for the underground scene to try to repay my debt to Party Slam. <laughs> That's okay, man. It's okay. Fine. So, Chris, here on the show, before we even get into Party Slim, before we get the party started, we always start from the top. And that means me asking you a very typical question. The listeners know where I'm going every time with it now. Are you from a particularly musical family or a family or maybe there was a family friend, somebody in your upbringing that steered you towards heavy metal and hard rock? I'd say in my family, uh, definitely or not musical people as in they listen to music but no one no one really played an instrument because uh, this always came up in conversation I've been talking to my granddad like you're the only person in our family ever played an instrument 
and you couldn't understand where it came from. But as far as my kind of steering, like being steered like hard rock and heavy metal, my parents were always into like, you know, blues and Black Sabbath. Like my dad absolutely loves Eric Clapton. So just kind of growing up with that as a kid, just around me, I probably became more kind of accustomed to kind of heavier stuff. So while you might not directly play instruments and stuff, I'd say I kind of influenced me in a way. I didn't really get into like proper metal until I was in high school, until I was like maybe like 13 or 14 or something. I had friends who were into like, I don't know, they were like Pantera and stuff, and I kind of steered me that way. Then I discovered Iron Maiden at like a young age, like I saw a music video on TV, and it's kind of, that kind of stuck with me. So from there on, it's kind of how I developed a taste for heavy metal in a way. So from there, I just kind of went heavier. So from like Iron Maiden, kind of in Pantera, Slayer, that type of thing, but eventually Death Metal, and from old school Death Metal, it's like brutal Death Metal. That kind of, that kind of progression. I think that's a pretty typical progression for most people in the UK, I think. Okay, and you know, you mentioned the UK. You're from Scotland in particular, true? Yes, uh, yeah. My family is Irish, and they moved to Scotland a few generations ago. So, that kind of an idea. Kind of pretty typical Scottish thing, then. Okay. And, I, you know, I've said this before on the podcast. I'm not the most well-educated person. I haven't traveled abroad that much. Um, where you're from, your particular area of Scotland that you grew up, was it more rural or more suburban or an urban environment like a city? Oh, it was more a city, man. The uh, place I grew up was a place called Dunfermline. It's next to Edinburgh, if you kind of know that. That's the kind of biggest city near it. Okay. So Dunfermline recently got upgraded to city status, but still kind of... You know, it's it's a really small city. It's kind of got a kind of town village vibe to it. Like everyone kind of knows each other, that type of thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of area. So not really like farmland or anything like that. Or not really how people imagine Scotland. There wasn't really those castles and fields and stuff. It's just kind of average city, really. Right, right. Okay, and for for a young man uh, getting into heavy metal and hard rock and that sort of thing. Were there record stores? Were there venues where touring bands would come through? Or was it more difficult to be exposed to heavy metal? At the firm, it was pretty difficult, man. It was like record stores and stuff, but it was like, you know, kind of mainstream chains, things like, I don't know if you have in the state, like Virgin Records and H&B mm-hmm. and things like that. So if I wanted to buy like a Death Metal CD, I'd have to order online or go on LimeWire and stuff. But this is like 2002, 2003, I cannot, you know, so it's pretty hard to kind of get a hold of that in general, unless you can special order it somewhere. And as far as gigs go and stuff, uh, touring bands didn't really come to the Farland. Even like the bigger ones, if you want to go to any kind of gig, the closest place would be Edinburgh or Glasgow, and that's like an hour away. So uh, as like a young guy, I'd be like, ask my parents, like take me to go see like, Behemoth and stuff in Glasgow, or see Dying Thieves on like a Thursday night. Mm. Like, can you drive me an hour and sit inside the venue for four hours huh. while I come <laughs> to this fucking gig? And then when you come up. That's a tall ask. Like, yeah, yeah. Fucking the local scene in Scotland, the uh, problem as well, has never really been amazing for like heavy stuff. It's always just kind of been like indie rock, kind of, yeah, that kind of thing, Britpop, and even the local gigs there is just, yeah, it's not really much happening. Not really much happening. Okay, and I, I like I know um, some of the early members of Party Cannon and you were involved in a group like Canthropy. Yeah, so I wasn't actually in that band. Uh, but Jack Craig and for a little bit in fact I'll, I'll not about uh, original line of work so Neil original drummer Jack and Craig guitar players and Stoney the vocalist they were all kind of briefly involved in that band that was more kind of like a death thrash thing it wasn't really kind of brutal metal and uh, 
was a bit of a shambles, like they say to themselves. Uh, still with the organization, they didn't, none of them really liked the bass player in that band. So there was like, kind of all, like arguing going on and stuff, and it's just kind of, yeah, you know, typical kid shit when you're like 11, 12, like teenagers arguing about music and things. So I don't know what I wanted to do, and it's just kind of, they were in a band for quite a while, uh, well, Jack Gregor, and just kind of didn't really go anywhere. So that's when they kind of got in touch with me, because I was in another band at that point called Psychoanalysis, which is kind of more like a techie, Black Dahlia, obscure type thing. And we kind of all, at the same time, decided we want to play brutal stuff. We all like Dying Feeders, we all like Skinless, we all like that kind of thing. And none of our bands were really going anywhere, so we just kind of did all those and started a fresh project, which became Party Cannon. Okay, and well, the reason I ask about Lycanthropy and you brought up Psychoanalysis, those seem to be like your two furthest back known projects that I could find. Yeah, yeah, right? Psychoanalysis is my first band. And, and well, what I'm getting at is, you know, you mentioned that it wasn't necessarily that easy to be exposed to underground death metal. So was it like a very tight-knit community, you and the guys who were in these bands? Oh, yeah, definitely, man, definitely. Uh, we all knew each other. Uh, if you were into, like, any kind of underground metal in the forum, you'd probably know other people who were into it. And I could probably count them all in my hand at around who actually knew who Dying Thieves were, knew the skinless and stuff. Like, the guys in our bands, uh, bands of the whip, they didn't like that stuff. Uh, I was kind of like an outcast before listening to that. They'd be like, you know, they're in like a depth, say they're into like death and all stuff. They'd consider stuff I liked, like noise. If I showed them like Discord or something, they'd be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, it's not on a scale or anything like that. It's kind of that, that kind of thing. Like, at the gates, it was like underground. Oh, uh, I was in their kind of right. uh, cutoff point. I'm not like ragging the guys or anything, but it's just how it was. Like, I negated some people if I was like their idea of like extreme metal. Whereas my idea of extreme metal at the point was like Discord and like uh, bands like that. Yeah. Um. And well, well, before we get too far into the bands and the and the the, the trajectory of Party Cannon, let's go back because I kind of skipped over. Is bass your first instrument? And could we get into, like, your very first bass? Were there lessons? Like, that type of thing. As a kid, you, you bring home your first bass and and the uh, the inspiration for that. Yeah, cool, man. So, starting bass, I think most kind of metal bass players go in the same way. I had friends that play guitar. I had friends that played drums. So, they needed a bass player. Yep. Originally, I wanted to play guitar, but I, I was like, oh, fuck it. I would rather jam with my friends and really play an instrument. It wasn't really, like, something on my mind. So, they needed a bass player. I'll save up some money, I'll buy a bass, I'll learn to play bass, then I can jam with my friends and that'll be fun. So I, I, I guess a lot of people kind of fall into playing bass that way, but then you kind of discover a love for it further down the line. Like actually, bass isn't just like a couple of instruments, you can actually do cool stuff with it and actually really serve the music. And yeah, uh, there wasn't really that many bass players or many places to buy a bass in the Berlin. So the uh, first bass I got was this. It was a, Really good instrument. It's a Fender Squire that had the big, like, hacky, like, skull and crossbones on it, on like the body and like the 12th fret. So, <laughs> I thought it was cool on time when I was like 13, but looking back, I was like, God, I was like, <laughs> Jesus, fuck, man. So I got, I got lessons from, you know, again, there wasn't that many, like, uh, private tours and stuff in the uh, front had I didn't know the first thing about music or anything like that, so I got lessons from this guy called John Skull in like a year. And it was really weird. Like the way he kind of taught me, he tried to teach me like a guitar player, and I just wasn't getting it. The way he described it and the stuff, like I remember vividly, a year later, still struggling to play the same ACDC song, but I started learning like day one of bass. So I was like, man, this isn't working. 
Then one day I turned up at his house and he's like, Mom answered the door. Anyway, he's not doing lessons anymore. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's just not doing lessons anymore. See you later. Alright, that's really weird. So I, I looked for the only ever bass teacher in the department who turned out to be the bass player for uh, Ray Wilson, who's in Genesis, his solo oh. band. And uh, he was in a band called Stiltskin, who had like a big hit in like the 90s and stuff. Uh, I was like, what the fuck? Why, why does this guy live in the department? I remember having one lesson with that guy, and that one lesson he just kind of explained music in a way that my brain understood. And I came on like leaps and bounds in that one lesson that I did an entire year with that guy. And at that point in time, I realized I actually enjoy playing bass. It was like such like, an eye-opening experience. And from there on, I discovered like so much, so many different types of music. I started hearing music like a different way. I could understand what the bass fit and stuff. It wasn't just something I did to. It was just something I did to jam with friends. It was something I did because I actually enjoyed now. And that was that was like a mental experience. Hmm, That's that fascinating. Is, yeah, yeah, and well, because if I'm not mistaken, you're kind of the main songwriter in Party Can and 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 also at Iniquitous Savagery. Would you say? No, in Party Can definitely. Okay, uh, it's, it's like a collaborative effort. Like I'll write like the bulk of the song, and other guys improve up. I'd say in Iniquitous Savagery is kind of like Joe will write. Joe guitar player is like sixty seven percent of it. The rest is me and the singer. Singer plays star as well, but uh, again, helped with arrangement and style my input and things like that. That was another thing. The guy who taught me bass, he really focused on music as a whole, and that's kind of what brought me on to being like a actual songwriter rather than just a bass player. Because he explained how chords and things work. So by having that in my mind, I can just write guitar parts without knowing how to play guitar. Because I, I can't play guitar for shit. I can't play bass for shit, but at least I can fucking <laughs> program it and get other people to learn it. Well, that's interesting because, uh, you know, you like you talked about, and we've heard that story several times from other people on the podcast that you're younger, your friends already play guitar, so you pick up a bass. That's kind of a that happens a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's like the country thing, right? Yeah, and then you you know you have these kind of like lessons that don't click with you for a long time, and then this other guy finally kind of like sheds a new light on it for you. I, I'm just asking because like I, knowing that you're. You know, you're the, you're the main songwriter in Party Cannon. When I brought up Lycanthropy before, you're credited with more production of that band. So you're kind of <laughs> like behind the scenes, writing. Like, you're you're doing more than, say, your stereotypical bass player who shows up and plays the bass line. Yeah, so I think production is a strong word for uh, <laughs> Lycanthropy. <laughs> I had a Line 6 tone part, and I knew how to press record on it, and that's about it. Okay. So I used to just have mates come to my house and just fucking record stuff like, yeah, man, I'll program drums for your demo and stuff. I get Guitar Pro up and I just like do that and export it. I'll be in mono and just sound like a fucking mush, but it's like fucking fun. Uh, I kind of got more into that as years went over, but uh, yeah, from day one, I kind of knew that if I kind of wanted stuff to happen, I'd have to make it happen. Yeah. So if, I, if a band will record a demo, I'd have to make them record a demo. If uh, I wanted to have home recording stuff, I'd have to be the guy that does it. That uh, kind of came very apparent early on when uh, I started enjoying music more and wanted to do more things that some people, maybe not uh, motivation, they don't really have the vision, so you kind of have to steer them that way. Yeah. So I figured if I, could, if I could just do everything myself in some capacity, I could at least provide a stepping stone for uh, my bands or other people's bands and stuff to get things done and actually have some kind of trajectory. Now, we... All kidding aside, uh, you know, uh, like we, we, you know, we, we talked about um, uh, Party Slam and the, the listeners of the podcast uh, know that I've gone on my rants before everything. But with Party Can have Party Cannon having uh, more of a humorous slant to the logo and the, and the, the song titles and that sort of thing. 
do you feel like having that drive that you've had for it all these years is kind of like w- what the difference was with Sink or Swim? Because a lot of people, when they might look at the logo and look at the band artwork or something, oh, it's a joke band, maybe it's just one guy in the bedroom. But like that drive that you've put into it um, really establishes it. I mean, it's like a meme to see the uh, the Bay Area Death Fest flyer with all the, the generic white on black logos and party cannon in there, but you really have driven it to the point where it's taken seriously, it's traveled around the world, at least to the United States to my knowledge, and put out many releases. Do you think that that drive that you have is what's been able to separate it from quote-unquote joke bands or whatever? Yeah, I think that definitely is a big part of it. Um, when we came up with the name Party Cannon and the logo and stuff, uh, we didn't do it as a joke. It was kind of more like a summation of all our influences. Because at that point in time, we were also a lot of real death metal, but we were as equally into gore grind and power violence, like bands like Spaz and the Afternoon Gentleman, who I'd say, I'd say Spaz are a serious band, and I'd say the Afternoon Gentleman are a serious band, but they have a self-awareness, and all their song titles are about kind of real life or kind of humorous things, but it's serious music. It's seriously done. It's still, it's still extreme music. It's over the top and kind of hits in your chest. Like Spaz have songs about like mountain biking, and all that in general. Songs about drinking. So I kind of want to combine that. The whole thing was just combining that with brutal death metal and having that kind of thing. It just kind of felt a bit more relatable. So I can see why people would take it as a joke, and it's kind of maybe a little bit humorous, but it's tongue in cheek. It's just a, it's just another direction of a brutal death metal way. It's just combining. The kind of self-awareness of like power violence and grindcore with real death metal, but go back to your actual question. I think the drive definitely helps. The fact that we have sub—I don't—I don't want to come off wrong saying it, but the fact we have substance to go behind the logo and song titles and things like that—it's kind of the same idea as like Spaz and Afton General. On paper, you might be like, "Oh, this is ridiculous. Why would they, why would they punk bands and grindcore bands sing about like fucking mountain biking?" But you listen, it's like, "Oh fuck." All these songs are ragers, all these songs are great. The actual substance kind of drives it. So the fact that people can go on, find legit CDs, see us playing of bigger bands, see like I got well-produced music, or well-produced actual, coherently produced music, I think that definitely sets apart from just a bedroom MySpace, like one-man slam bands with fucking random songs and random samples. Uh, agreed. And the fact that you've maintained a full lineup, you've toured, you've played festivals... Um, yeah, obviously you've set you've set yourself aside from that type of thing, and you really—I gotta admit—you really did just flip it for me by bringing in that Slapahem Records power violence yeah. influence aesthetically, uh, and and maybe say, like you—I think you definitely you definitely put it in a, in a much different context for me just now, um, because that's I you know in the '90s I you know I grew up I was listening to a lot of that stuff I haven't followed the more modern power violence bands as much. But I know what you mean. Like, it was music that you could take seriously as as really good, brutal, hardcore, and grindcore. But there wasn't a... I mean, there was a humorous element, but you're right. It was a self-aware, kind of satirical, sarcastic... I get it. I get it. And that does kind of flip it for me. That's interesting. Well, I mean, while we're talking about that, was there any hesitance... Uh, for bandmates of yours to like, were there any bandmates that were like, "Listen, I like the riffs, I like the vocals, but can we do something more serious?" I don't think there's any hesitation. Like, we kind of, as soon as like the name and stuff was suggested, like, 
people just, I think I would just get on board with it. I think it's what everyone kind of wanted to do at that point in time. Because we're all listening to the same stuff. We're all had the same outlook on Death Metal. We loved it, but we were aware it was ridiculous. Huh. I think, I think in Europe, in the UK, that kind of self-awareness of how ridiculous something is, is a, a bit more ingrained in our culture. Like, UK people are quite self-deprivating in a way. And if you go to like slam festivals and death metal festivals in Europe, people aren't like pushing each other around. They're all running in a circle with inflatables to like suffocation <laughs> and dying fetus. Yeah. They're just out there to have a party. But it's not disrespecting your music. They just enjoy it. They're aware it's ridiculous. So when you kind of use it as an outlet, it's kind of cathartic in a different way. Rather being a negative thing, you kind of turn like a fun thing while still being brutal, still wearing brutal merch, supporting the bands and stuff. So even before Party Can was a thing, that was something we kind of gravitated to. And even before we had the name Party Can, we had the song titles like There's a Reason to Single, Everyone's Still Dead to Me, uh, Big Tasty, fucking Wait for a Term Living Parent. That was like our first like four main songs before we even had the band name. So the fact we're kind of on board with that and uh, listed bands like we can naturally lose fucking, yeah, just have kind of more real song titles or just kind of self-aware stuff. When the name Party Can came up, it just kind of fit. Everyone got all of that's the name. That's the name right there. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, originally, though, in the first, very, very first incarnation of Party Cannon, uh, years and years before we tried to get something off the ground, it was a band called Cat, uh, sorry, Catatonic Phenology. That was a band name we were going to go with at one point. Okay. Kind of glad we didn't. Because I, I don't think we'd be having this conversation with this. Yeah. I, I don't know if it would have set you apart as much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm not going to say Party Can's music special in any way, but I think more people will probably give us a chance because of the name than realize actually there's substance there. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, the intention behind it or not, like, it is genius marketing. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, y- you may have not conceived it like that, but it, it is. You know, it's like, become it, its own thing. There yeah. are more people who know your band name than, like, you know, Execration and all these bands that take them very, you know, like, not, not like too serious or whatever, but no. Right, they're, they're just the you know the logo disappears into obscurity. Seriously, uh, man, if, if that was something I intentionally did, I don't think I'd work nine to five in an office. I think I'd have some kind of job as a some fucking genius. Yeah, <laughs> that's something we just kind of fell into. In fact, like, going back to Bay Area Death Festival, sir, I think it was probably come up later, but you mentioned that it was our logos in color and everything else was in black and white. Originally, it was all black and white. Our logo was formatted to fit that uh, poster. It was months later, after we came back from America, it went viral. Some random person online colored in our logo and put it on Reddit. <laughs> I, I, we had nothing to do with it. If I was that smart, like I said, if I was that smart, I'd have... I would not be working at a desk job, man. <laughs> yeah. That just kind of happened. Like, I just logged into Facebook one day, and all these people were fucking mentioning, like, have you, have you been on Reddit today? Have you been on Reddit today? He's like, why? He's like, the fuck, someone's like, edited that logo. Then people from the fucking Guardian were mentioning me, and people from... BuzzFeed are like, oh, can I interview about this? Like, what the fuck just happened? And people are like, oh, you engineered this. You guys fucking did this yourself. Like, I wish, I wish I was that smart. <laughs> Fuck All sake, right, man. yeah. So, well, so yeah. it happened more organically. Yeah. To, to be fair, people yeah, who is. claim that their genius marketing uh, was 100% intentional, they're rarely correct <laughs> and, and can never recreate it. So you're just as good as everyone else in my book. Yeah, totally, man. It's a happy accident, as some people say. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, and and just by by the way, I, I got I got mention you, you mentioned your um, uh, there's a reason your single song title, and then also in 2017 you had the 
soft white gelatinous body single. I feel personally attacked by both of those song titles. Great. I've got a good story about uh, soft white gelatinous body. All right, go for it. Unless Great. it's about hacking my, my fucking phone or something. <laughs> so uh, in 2015, we went on tour, well, when we played Very Deathless, actually, we went on tour with Ed Purdy X name and Parasitic Ejaculation Perfect. around the West Coast. Yeah. And we played Austin. At, I think it was the Red Eye Fly. I don't know if you guys have ever been. It's a really, really cool venue. Like the stage, it's kind of outdoors, kind of not. It's kind of it's kind of canopy type of air. Uh, it was a fucking great gig. It was yeah, amazing. Like, Justin, is that where we played with uh, South uh, South by Southwest? I don't recall, Tom. I don't know know the venue, but it's like a big place with a backyard giant canopy over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, it's yeah. awesome, right? I, I know where you're talking about. I think right outside might be across the street, actually. But uh, anyway, it was that like an area, thank you, and. Uh, John will sing over Parasite Ejaculation. Each night you can take a shirt off and uh, play the gigs. And he'd, he'd go nuts on stage. Like, he, he's like one of the best front men I've ever seen in my life. Go nuts on stage, just have a huge charisma. Just be like juggling himself about on stage and stuff. Uh, and then we've got a review of that gig the next night. And the review said uh, Parasite Ejaculation takes the stage. Within two minutes, the singer has ripped off his wife beer and exposed his soft white gelatinous body. <laughs> and I was like, fuck! Uh, We're all really good friends at Price Ejaculation. We all love Jono. Uh, he drove us around on a tour in his tiny uh, Toyota Corolla because we, we got fucked over by uh, the van company last minute. So we ended up taking like one van, like two cars, mm. and just kind of stuffing all our gear in there. So he like saved our ass on a tour and we became really good friends with him and stuff. Like, just because we were crammed in the car with him and he was driving us. Like millions of miles around the US. So when I came in, I was like, right, John, I have to use that song title. I have to like write a song about you and just include it in the EP. And he loved it. He was like down for it because he thought it was hilarious. So that song is about John from Paris to the Ejaculation. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I think that speaks to that sense of uh, self deprecating humor you were talking about before, though. You know, that kind of yeah, sums yeah. it up, man. That's And it gives a little bit more context i guess to the humor man it's it's like you said with spaz and all that stuff it's rooted in real life you know it's just about yeah, yeah, right, I, I i get it man um now when we talk about um uh, party cannon starting out and everything like that i mean you you like i, I guess we're kind of we're almost hitting on kind of a cultural difference in brutal death metal here because like over here i'm from long island new york um, not that I invented anything, but like in my backyard, you had like suffocation, internal bleeding, pyrexia, dehumanized, and that was like the more um, angry, slam, brutal death metal. Yeah. Those are all my favorite bands. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so exactly. I'm fucking the broken shirt right now, man. Like I understand brutal death metal. Oh yeah, I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm not implying you don't. I'm yeah, just. Yeah, it's, it's just like like you said. There's a kind of a cultural difference within the. <laughs> the self-deprecating sense of humor type of thing. I just feel like a lot of it is clicking for me now. That's why I'm glad we're having this conversation, man. And you didn't just go, fuck these guys. They, they compare me to Oakley <laughs> Doakley and hang up. Uh, but but what I'm getting at is when you guys start out with Party Cannon, was there, you know, you said that there were some people who were more old school and resisted dying fetus and brutal death metal. Were there people in the metal scene who resisted Party Cannon? Uh, because like like all oh, you these young guys with the humorous stuff, they're not serious enough, you know that sort of thing. You know, I kind of expected to be a lot of that, but it was actually nowhere near as bad as expected. Okay. When we first started out, we got a few like shitty comments on the development form. <laughs> I remember that. I remember it was guy in Poland wrote an essay about why he didn't like our band. But other than that, starting out, it was actually pretty well received. At that point in time in the UK, 
there was a lot of underground gore grind and porno grind going on, and they just welcomed us with open arms. Like, we played so many gigs with porno grind bands huh. that were just like packed out, gore grind bands, we got put on like gore grind festivals and stuff. And uh, at the same time, most slam bands were kind of playing gore grind festivals at a point. I think it was a kind of alien concept to some kind of old school guys. But yeah, no, no, we're surprisingly well received. I think if we get any, I think as time has gone on, we're probably getting more hate from people who don't quite get or don't appreciate or it's not their thing. But uh, again, though, like, my, my whole opinion is if you're creating some kind of art, it should either, people should either feel strongly about it one way or another. Mm. But we just did it and most people are like, ah, this is another band with a logo, this is not that great. It, it, it does nothing for me. I, I'd consider it a failure, but people will go, fuck this, I don't like the logo, it ruins it for me, and so they're <laughs> like, fuck yeah, this is amazing. I think those are two positive reactions, because if you're creating something, you want a strong reaction. Yeah. That's that's true. I mean, you want to be polarizing, you don't want to be ineffectual. Yeah. Indifference yeah. hurts. Really yeah. stings. Yeah, indifference hurts uh, worse than hate, that's true. Well, Definitely. Well, uh, you know, I want to come back to Party Cannon, but if we go chronologically... Uh, 2010, your first single, then you have a, a demo in, a, in 2011, a demo in 2012, and if I'm not mistaken, Iniquitous Savagery is beginning right around the same time, because you released your, uh, Compelled by Perverse, uh, am- Amorality. Amorality. I can't read my own handwriting. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, uh, the listeners know I'm an asshole. Uh, but 2012, Compe- Compelled by Perverse, Amorality EP by Iniquitous Savagery. Um, so, like, were you just starting two bands around 2010, 2011, 2012? Well, actually, it actually started before Party Cannon, uh, which took a little longer to get, okay. get our feet in it. Um, so, I met the guys in Nixon Savagery in 2009. I went to a gig in Edinburgh. It was like a first proper underground rule demo gig. The lineup was Septal Gorge, Amsterdam, Embroad, Embroad Environment, and sorry, Embroad Property from England. And uh, vomit and soap melee, and I was like, "Fuck you! This is awesome! I can't believe there's other other people outside of the farm who like real death metal who go see on a Thursday night." And I met Joe from X Saturday, and he just turned around and just didn't play bass, and I do. And I just really wanted to form real death band at a point, and that is how that band formed. Huh. Just asked a bunch of random people to play bass, and I said yes. But we spent ages trying to get a drummer because the X Saturday stuff is quite technical, especially for. Uh, the kind of age group we were at the time. So trying to find someone who's like 17, 18 who could play all these kind of insane blast beats and kind of weird rhythms and stuff and songs that kind of go on for ages but kind of have a million riffs was difficult. So Park Cannon was a bit more straightforward and I knew a guy in the Furman who could sort of play and stuff. So that's how we kind of got on our feet faster when I noticed. But by the time, so when 2012 rolled around, we had a drummer and spent like a year practicing for that EP. That's when I came up. So it was kind of the next form first, but it just took a bit longer to kind of get a ball rolling. Okay, and well, yeah, and Nick would have said, like you said, the music maybe is a little bit more uh, technical, things like that. Um, that makes sense. And I should mention that you guys just released the uh, the anti natalist single last year. Uh, yeah, with and, with, and a, with a Nick with as well. After fucking years of inactivity, suddenly signed Will to it. I have no idea what happened there, but. It seemed into it, so that's a, that's a good sign. Beautiful. Well, congratulations on that. Signed to Willow. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, can you give an update then? I mean, is there anything you could tell us about new material, anything like that? Yeah, the new Nictus albums. 
pretty much done. We just need to demo it and record it and all that stuff. The songs are enough written. I have one song I need to finish writing, but other than that, it's about eight or nine new songs. We've got art in the work already. We've already started shooting videos for it, like music videos. Uh, but yeah, other than that, just need to demo it, just need to rehearse it, just need to record it. It should be out early next year, I think. All going well. But uh, COVID in Scotland has really put a dampener on a lot of like, musical activities. So it's maybe maybe early next year, maybe five years' time. Who knows? I don't know. Do, you, do you guys have live performances back in Scotland yet? No. Absolutely no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we just got uh, uh, the first Long Island shows back this past weekend. Right, uh, we right. Had one so of amazing. First- yeah, yeah. Is it seated or is it still standing and stuff? Uh, the show I went to, it was uh, no no holds barred. It was just like Holy the, shit, man. Yeah, it was just like the old days. Because, yeah, well, uh, here in New York State, there's no more emergency, uh, no more state of emergency, things like that. Yeah. They legalized weed and now everyone's relaxed. Yeah. And yeah. Just letting it go. Fucking hell. So, well, I mean, it's touch and go. We'll see how it goes. You yeah. know what I mean? Because everyone's also saying, like, you never know in a few months, this they got this new strain, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I, yeah. I'm not. That's unpredictable, man. Uh, so the way it's working in the UK at the moment is Scotland's like a devolved government from England, so we have our own set of rules and stuff. Uh, so some things are a bit different. Hurricane are going on tour next month. We're meant to do Scotland and England just like four or five dates. England lifts all restrictions in July. However, Scotland doesn't. Scotland goes into something called level zero, which is a which is like a five-tier system of COVID. And level zero is like the lowest tier, but there's still restrictions. So Gigs can't happen in Scotland in level zero unless they're seated and everyone wears masks and they're all like two meters apart. So that's kind of unviable for any kind of small demo gig. Yeah. So we've had to cancel the Scottish date on that tour because we, we're all under the impression that all restrictions are going to be lifted. So next month we're going to go play a bunch of gigs in England, which apparently meant to be no old bars or well, which is literally two hours away from where I live. So it's a bit, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'd kind of rather people be safe than go to a fucking good match at gig. So we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, of, of course, nobody wants to compromise anyone's safety, but we also all want to get back to that state of productivity with our music, too. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. Tough, I mean, we've been in lockdown for over a year. Yeah. So <laughs> it's tough, man. It's getting a bit old, but shit happens, man. Like, music will still be there. I'll still be able to play gigs when it's over. So are you guys still um, meeting up and practicing, though? Like, um... Yeah, yeah, man. So we've been practicing for a while. Uh, we've got our own practice space, so within the guidelines, we can go there. We have like a bubble going, so we can still just jam and stuff. It's not really compromising on itself. Uh, we actually recorded a new album within lockdown at the start of the year. That's like a whole other story of like fucking mess, like COVID, gangsters, and all that shit kind of fucked out for us, but we eventually got it recorded. But yeah, uh, we're still being productive, just behind the scenes, doing ways. Okay, could I? Well, could I pry for a minute and ask you about these alleged gangsters and <laughs> and how that that compromised your recording? So uh, we had a practice space somewhere else, and uh, <laughs> basically, originally we were going to go to Germany and record with Soundboy Studios in Germany. Uh, he did Defeated Sandy, Despondency, mm-hmm. Anvil. The guy's amazing. We're going to go there record the whole album. We've had him remotely mixed up before. But for this album, since we were getting like a bigger budget and stuff, we wanted to go there and do everything with him and make sure it's like perfect. It sounds the way we wanted to. But COVID kind of put a stop to that because restrictions in the UK and Germany kept changing like day by day. So there's every time we could have gone over and just got stuck in Germany. 
So like, fuck it, we'll just cut our losses, we'll record with a friend in Glasgow. Uh, I used to be in a band called Gendo Akari, and the drummer in that band actually used to be in Party Can. He's a recording lecturer, and he has his own studio. So the guy knows what he's doing, and he's pretty lax. So we can just record from like 10 a.m. to like fucking 3 a.m. if we want to. So we're going to go record them. But we set dates and stuff, and as soon as we set dates, the power in our practice space went out for like over a month. Mm. And yeah. Uh, so we're talking to guys, like, what's happened here? All oh, the doors are locked and stuff, we can't get in. He's like, oh, don't worry, man, don't worry, man. So this guy, like, kind of ran, like, the warehouse, like, out of the practice, like, don't worry, man, I'll get sorted, I'll get sorted. Then the roof caved into the practice space, mm. and then months went by, like, literally months went by, where we couldn't get in contact with the guy. We looked him up and stuff, and it turned out he was, like, affiliate of a bunch of, like, really scary people, like, he'd been in jail. I'm not gonna name any names or anything like that, just because this is no, no, no. just fucking mad, it's just fucking okay. ridiculous. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> so, we, kept, we looked up all this policy from like Scottish Power and stuff. Your power can only be out for two days at a time before they fix it. Like, their, le- their service level agreement is they had to fix any kind of generating problem within 48 hours. His power had been off for over a month, and he just kept giving us different, different excuses. Kept saying we can go and get our stuff. So, by that point, our drummer hadn't played drums in like over a month. Maybe even two months, so we were missing all these recording dates and stuff. But eventually, we just kind of did this like tactical fly in and uh, it's like, right, we don't think anyone's there right now. We're going to go in and grab our gear. We know there's an open door somewhere. We'll go and scoop our gear out and just leave, never come back, find out in our space. Wow. So we did, yeah, we did that. Eventually, recorded an album. But I just think it's mad that that's not even to do with COVID. It's like something completely out, yeah. out of the blue. This is fucked up for us. Yeah, few few recording uh, sessions require a caper yeah. to begin. It, yeah, this is uh, this is a new one as well. I'm picturing yeah. you guys like dressed in all black with with black caps on, like in the cartoons. <laughs> you know, man. shimmying up the building and stuff. Um, <laughs> but let's see, right? Like, anytime someone tells you Party Can's not a real band, remember a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Oakley Doakley never did that shit, all right? Yeah, Oakley Oakley never did it. All right, well, I, I'm not even, listen, I'm not even going to keep putting you guys in the same conversation, yeah, all right? That's that, that's that's putting beat. an end to that. That's beat. That's over. All right. So, sorry to ask So, now, well, another, just a quick aside here. Maybe I'm going to betray my own ignorance, but something else besides COVID that may have affected your ability to tour, could I ask, has Brexit uh, and that those policies and, and and those changes has that changed how you can tour in and out of the United the United Kingdom? So I try to keep part I can as a kind of like a political body on the internet. I kind of I see it as a kind of positive thing. But Brexit has benefited absolutely nobody. Mm. My country Scotland voted against Brexit, but since we're part of the United Kingdom, we got forced out of the uh, EU by pretty much England. Because they have like the majority share, so that's like imagine if Texas votes uh, to leave like the U.S. and took Florida with them, as like that kind of level of insanity. So basically, now if we go if we go to Europe, uh, we don't need visas from some places, but we need to get carnets. We need to get, go through all these like red tapes and stuff. So in order to transfer our gear around Europe, we need to fucking pay money like three hundred pounds just to go in and out of the country with guitars and like fucking drums and stuff. So that's a real damn near. That's like a, that's like, I can't be in Europe in less than an hour. And now I need to pay all this extra money. Uh, some states in Europe require visas to work there now. Uh, so I can go to like 
journey, these are free. But I think Holland might require some kind of work permit. So all the rules and stuff change, change thing. We used to go to Europe all the time. That was the main place for Farrakhan. We'd be there every couple of months to play fests. That might not happen anymore. We might be kind of fucked on it. Wow. So, also, I run uh, me and Joe from Gravitation run UK Slamfest, which is like an agency that books loads of gigs in the UK. In order to get a European band over now, we need to give them a work visa. So that's at least 250 pounds on top of like flights and stuff. So that's really fucked us as like an events agency. So that means anybody putting on gigs, like say like self Tura, like bigger bands that, that come up like, that come up back to like touring crews and stuff, that has visas for everybody. That has like a shitload more money just to get people in the UK. People who only use to play like free gigs in the UK as well, because the market's kind of small. So that's kind of really isolated UK in terms of music. Wow. Yeah, it's insane, man. It's insane. That, that. I thought like getting in the US was pretty difficult, but this is kind of made everything else really difficult. Well, that's why I asked because I was curious about like the real world effects on an underground touring band. Um, that's that sucks, man. Uh, well. Let me ask you this then, because speaking of touring, you've gotten out there with Party Cannon. Um, I know that you guys came to the United States. You to- shout to Torturous Inception from Staten Island. Yeah, guys, good hey, friends guys. of mine. Yeah, good friends of mine. Uh, I love those guys, and I'm glad that they're they're active now with a kind of renovated lineup. Uh, best of luck <laughs> to them. And um, uh, but you you came over and toured with them in the United States. Could you talk a little bit and set us up for this story that you shared kind of behind the scenes before? Where you 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 acquired a lot of frequent flyer miles uh, to to play several shows. Yeah, man, it was ridiculous. Oh, God, this is a real low point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, uh, me and Joe Reputation have been loads of effort to get this US tour booked around Chicago Domination Fest and Barrier Death Fest. Uh, so it's going to be Party Cannon, Parasite Ejaculation, Reputation, Torch Inception, Tour East Coast. And the way it was going to work was Party Cannon and Creditation were going to fly in, play very Death Fest as a West Coast, exc- uh, West Coast exclusive, fly over the East Coast or like Midwest and start a tour with Torches and Parasitic. Uh, it was going to be like two, three week type thing. Uh, we're going to play Chicago Domination Fest as well. And in the time leading up to it, like, with these kind of things, you can start a year advance like, around that to make sure all goes ahead, which is rules and logistics. Had to find and befriend Torture Inception. Talk to them about the tour. I need to find like an agent who eventually handled it. Uh, all these kinds of things. And I arranged for all of the guarantees myself. Uh, so we're mostly, I manage the band mostly, so it's kind of like a day I venture. I put all this effort to it. And around the same time, I got a new job. So my degree is in microbiology. And for years, I've been trying to get like a job in Scotland as a microbiologist. And I eventually did. Uh, a few months before the tour, I got a job as a research scientist at a place in Scotland where I was like developing like a uh, vaccinations and agar places stuff like that it was like the thing i've trained for fucking years to do so i moved to edinburgh to do this job like i just uprooted my life i left a permanent job in my hometown moved to look at them say got a flat got a bunch of financial responsibilities and about a month into the job they just went you're gone we don't need you anymore on the spot no warning no real reason just kicked me out of this job so essentially had all the stuff to pay for had this flat stuff and like no money and the tour was like the next month. I was like, fuck. And he's like, get a job. I can't, I can't like go on tour and have no money and lose my, lose where I live and come home and be homeless and things like that. So the way it worked out was um, I ended up getting like a temporary job, but it wouldn't give me time off to do the tour. So what I did was 
I flew out to Bay of Death Fest. I played that one gig. I spent like I was like three or four flights to get there and three flights back. I was in I think it was, was in it was in San Francisco. I was in San Francisco for twenty hours. That's like a twelve hour flight from the UK. Ugh. I was there for twenty hours. I played the fest, hung out with friends, got driven straight back to the airport, flew home, did my shitty temp job, then a weekend afterwards I flew out to Chicago and uh, played Chicago Domination Fest. I was in Chicago for about uh, maybe maybe 10, 12 hours. Flew out to Scotland, went back to my shitty job, and the rest of the band toured about me. Uh, Sweet facts, to all this effort to this tour. Now I fled to Chicago with a fucking nightmare as well. Just everything to go wrong to. Had to change over in Massachusetts, I think it was. And uh, when I got to Massachusetts, I had to like, stay in the airport overnight. But when I got to the passport control in Massachusetts, the guy looked at my passport and went, this isn't you and your passport. I'm like, what do you mean it's not me and my passport? Like, this is an Asian guy. I'm like, are you serious? So the guy started like, I think you have a fake passport. I need you to go sit in the back room and like, scan some much stuff and run some, just to look into who you are. So basically, I had to like, sit in this fucking room for like two hours while the guy scanned my passport. He looked through like my national insurance number, like a credit card and stuff. Just to clarify that the person in my passport photo wasn't an Asian person. I, I, that was what? madness. That was fucking ridiculous. Okay. So All right. eventually let me through. So I had about eight to ten hours more to kill in my students before I was connected flight. So when I sat down like in a corner somewhere, like I'll just sit here for a bit and see what happens, and I fell asleep. Like just absolutely, I was like fucked. So uh, while I was asleep, I had like rolled onto my stomach with my hands up. So I was just lying face down in the middle of this airport. <laughs> and I got woken up by the state tour guy, like, Sir, sir, do you need medical attention? <laughs> I kind of woke up like, shit. Uh, oh, sorry, man, I'm just asleep. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. He's like, oh, no problem. Uh, you can't be in here though, we're closing, so go sit outside. So I just fucking slept on my bench outside the airport for fucking six, seven hours. Oh. Got my connection, flight to Chicago. <laughs> Play Chicago Domination Fest, which was one of the best gigs of my entire life. Uh, and then there were set, like fucking 100 people got on stage, fucking invaded. We sold so much merch, everyone seemed very happy to have us there. Then I flew straight home. Went back to my shitty fucking tent off. Remember yeah. right next time someone says party cans are real bands. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> wow. That's, that was, yeah, yeah. that's pretty that crazy. Like, yeah. Probably like 10, 11 flights I got in a week to play those two fests. Just because I refused to let life beat me. I had been shown so much. I was like, I need to do this. Yeah. I can't just let the universe win like this. I I can't say I've been through that, but I <laughs> I appreciate that sentiment that sometimes underground death metal has to win, regardless of the consequences. <laughs> I, I know I know that, man. Like sometimes you need that. That well, that's awesome that you were able to get through that and that both fests at least you didn't get there and then like, you know, you, you guys couldn't play the show or something crazy. At least you played a good show. That's oh fine. yeah, it's like, man. It's absolutely what I'm saying to work with. I'd I'd do it again if I had to, but Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it's, I'm I'm really glad to get to work with like the Barrier Death Fest lineup was amazing. We played with like Dying Fetus and who else played that fest as well? I think Psychotic played as well. Played like a thousand people. We sold so much merch. People just like seemed like hyped, like seemed happy for us to be there. So Shadow Donation Fest was the same. We played with all my like near enough all my favorite bands that I have Shadow Donation Fest. Like Spellshirts had played, Girls Secret played, there's a degoratory reunion show and stuff. It's like uh-huh. there's no chance I'm missing this. 
Splattered plate is fucking incredible, man. Okay, man. Um, well, we're do- we're talking all this fest talk right now. I think now would be a good time to talk about UK Slam Fest, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, if I got that correctly, that's not just a festival. It's an it's a booking agency that frequently books shows in the UK that you're uh, an instrumental member of. Yeah, so the main members of UK Slam Fest are myself, Joe Marble from Reputation, mm-hmm. Jack Bowden from Chainsaw Reputation, and uh, Lisa, who's Joe's partner. She's pretty much the brains behind the whole thing. She's uh, way smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> and <laughs> Bethany, and we have like our, our people in kind of local cities that help out. So what we do is we book like a yearly fest. It's usually like two days. We try and find like a DIY venue to do it in, just so it's kind of still underground. We've had bands like Spell Trips to play. That was the first ever UK show, as hard as I know. We flew in for exclusive. We've had Worm to play. We've had Epicard DX name. Uh, first ever UK show as well. That was like a yearly fest, but around that, we booked like tours for like European bands and touring bands that like we had. We booked a UK tour with Disentomb and Dissel Discord. Took a lot of kind of local gigs as well, so. If you're in like a brutal death metal band in the UK, chances are I've had you on a gig in Scotland or Joe's had you somewhere in Manchester or Liverpool or even London. Yeah, so, yeah, we do. Uh, when did you, oh, I'll say this, when, when did it start, this agency, this booking agency, and when did you get involved? Are, are you a founding member or? Yeah, so me, Joe and Jack are founding members. Started in 2015. Mm-hmm. There's like a Facebook group called Edge, UK Slam, and People were just post up and like, oh, there's like a all there in the UK that's just UK bands. I've been booking gigs for a while, just DIY in Scotland. Joe's been around for years. He used to be in a band called Euroma. He used to book bands like Inveresti in the UK. He's had like he's had like a lot of experience. So he got I, I got in touch with him. Oh yeah, I put this on. I've been up going to Scotland, but I've stopped in Manchester where I help out. I'd go in on it. And Joe's like, yeah, I'd yeah, do that. And Jack gone like, yep. So she started mentioning sounds like, cool, let's UK Slam Fest, let's make it happen, 2015. Let's get Perry Hackney over and get every UK slam band ever on that bill. And that turned out, that's kind of spawned from there. Okay. And, um, like, because I've, I've booked a few very small DIY shows here in my area, nothing crazy. Um, could you take us maybe through some of the growing pains of like booking fest? Like what? Like I'm sure there were some of like those situations where you're like, "How are we going to get through this? We didn't plan for this." Like, were there any really big kind of uh, mess ups or, or you know, big like snafus when you were first starting out? <laughs> the second year of UK Slamfest, the venue we're booking it in at a very last minute uh, got our license to sell alcohol revoked. Oh, so. There's no way we could have seen it happen. So it came like a uh, bring your like a BYB fest. People just had to bring in their own alcohol, <laughs> and that that was it was, a, it was the most fun fest we've ever had. But it was a fucking nightmare, man. <laughs> it was carnage. The police turned up at one point because people were just so fucked. I remember they had to step over like passed out Germans in the fucking hallway to get into the venue. Like, what is going on here? And just about every band on that tour, uh, I packed were stuck in traffic so we're just like reorganizing things people are hammered like when's this band playing why are you late the headliner for a year despite being booked a year in advance let us know like the month before they weren't even really a band <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had to get a band like a, head- a headliner band in last minute like four weeks to go to replace them mm. 
and yeah. they're quite like a big band. Like people, it's like going to like a reunion gig as well. Like ah, oh, actually, we're just we're just not doing it. I don't know who, who booked this, but uh, we're all we're all playing this festival. What? So, yeah. Also, two guitar cabs exploded that that uh, weekend. We don't yeah. know why. He just kind of did. That that's what I'm looking for. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, man. It was insane. Who who did you end up getting the headline? Indecent Excision from Italy. Okay. It was their first gig as a full band. They used to be a drum machine band, okay. and they got like a new drummer in just for a fest. Who is the fake band? Oh, I'm not, not going to throw anyone under the bus because they're they're a band again, and okay. they're touring it now. So I'm not I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay, right. that's but very nice of you. I I wouldn't do that. I would throw them under the bus. I'm not. Yeah, like, I'm like friends with guys in the band, and I kind of understand the situation. Like, uh, I think there's a lot of internal miscommunication there, but. There's a new lineup, and they're fucking amazing. We played one in Switzerland, and it was so good. I was like, "Why can't you just do it in the UK?" <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right, well, it was, it was a whole thing. Like, no, no one was against them, but yeah, they're good guys, great band. So shit happens. Um, and it sounds like you were able to kind of like uh, uh, learn learn a few things along the way from those experiences, and most importantly, uh, it didn't deter you from continuing on with booking shows and stuff like that. In the spirit of that, maybe could you give uh, like some, uh, not just in the UK, whoever's listening worldwide, just tips to anyone who might be looking into like starting to book their own local shows, or even someone who's done that and looking to, to branch out into making their own regional fest. Like, what are a couple of like like you know tips or, or pointers for someone like that? I think the main thing you really need to do, man, is really research your local scene, see what what like who pulls, who doesn't, and uh, what kind of music works like I would put on a slam all day like Pro Depot Fest in Manchester but I wouldn't do that in Edinburgh only Doom gigs do well in Edinburgh but Pro Depot gigs do well in Manchester stuff like that you need to figure out make sure you get all your agreements and fees and stuff in writing before the fest don't just be like oh we'll figure out then because I've had bands turn up like oh I want more money why aren't you giving us more money like uh, local gigs I put on it's like oh make sure everything's in writing just really networks be as organized as possible, just anticipate for things going wrong and make sure you have backlinks sort of stuff like that. That's kind of like basic stuff, but I would definitely say the main thing is know who to promote to, where to promote it, what venue to use, what bands to book, like who's reliable, who's gonna play where. Like, There's no point in booking five unknown local bands from the first gig. They're like, right, I know this band has a following, I've seen people talk about this band, I'll book them, then I'll put some locals underneath them. Just things like that. Just things to cover yourself. Make sure people actually come through the door. Yeah, uh, good tips. Um, I remember there was a promoter many years ago here on Long Island who thought that you didn't need headlining acts as long as you just crammed as many locals onto the bill as uh-huh. possible, and would and like he would bill it as a fest, but there was no actual headliners. It was it was a messy situation. Right, that's that's the thing as well. People don't really want to go to gigs anymore. If you mm. give it a name, people more people come to it. I will just stick in your mind down. So if I book like a gig on a Saturday, I won't just call it the gig. I'll give it some kind of stupid name so it sticks to people's mind. So I've done the Death Metal Tea Party. I've done Best Friends Fest. I've, I did a fest named after a friend called Jack Welsh Fest. Just dumb shit so it sticks in people's mind. But still good bands. So I mean, if you kind of advertise it like that, people think it was more of an event where I'm just, oh, just a two day. Yeah, it's, it's all about marketing in that way, man. Yeah. You know, e- even in underground death metal in a way, nowadays you're competing with the internet. Now we're competing with streaming uh, concerts yeah. and things like that. Like, shows are trying to come back, but they're still doing the streaming concerts. It's a it's a weird thing now. 
Um, so that, that 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 is true though. Like if you have it advertised as something, like you could just call it Saturday Fest, and it's like yeah, it's totally nice. You know, it's just a little bit you know more uh, uh, palatable to people for some reason. So, yeah. uh, do you, well now speaking with COVID, I I would assume that obviously you had to uh, cancel or you know postpone it last year, right? UK Slam, yeah, yeah. So we had we took a year off UK Slam Fest because um, things got a bit dicey with like the last one. Not kind of organizational wise, just the uh, I don't know, it didn't quite go as smoothly wanted. But at the end of the day, it was fine. Like we didn't lose any money or anything like that. But uh, it was a bit stressful and things like that. It's some like we had a bunch of you know, rice and airport and stuff organized. I kind of fell through accommodation and turned out to be like a hassle. So we're actually well, uh, take a year off. We'll uh, regroup. We'll think of different ways to do the fest. So it's like goes smoother. It's easier to do and. Uh, Closer an airport for people to find, just things like that. We'll get in touch with more people locally who can put bands up to kind of save costs. So we took a year off, then we came back with uh, UK Slammers 2020, and uh, we got a Bizzle tournament, we got bands like that lined up, and then I got cancelled with COVID. So COVID and Brexit happened, so I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Fest going forward. It will still exist in some form, but I don't know what the lineups will be like, and I don't know when it will come back, but it will come back eventually. Yeah, and, and we wish you the best with that. As you said before, nice. Scotland is uh, um, still kind of locked down, so we're, we're hoping you can get back to that. Um, something I just wanted to share, this is a, a quick little thing I did notice on your metallum, is that you contributed bass to uh, Ceremonial Abhorrence, um, the 2020 Pestilectomy uh, release. Shout out to Lennon um, O'Doyle, oh. f- uh, form, former guest of the show. Fuck, man, I didn't, I didn't even know the name of EP, but yeah, no, I played bass in that. I've known Lennon for a while. Yeah, Lennon O'Donnell, and, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I've known him for a while. He just hit me up and I joined to play bass. Like, yeah, sure, man. I play bass on quite a few projects. I've got like Home Accord and stuff, so. I don't know. Again, I know him quite a lot of EPs. That was a cool EP, though. Um, a lot of heavy riffs and stuff. Yeah. Cool, cool stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Um, for the listeners, we had a whole episode with Lennon about Pestilectomy and a lot of his other projects and things like that. So I just wanted to uh, briefly bring that up and shout him out, um, and people can go back and check that out. And one more thing I did want to ask you about is, uh, if I say, I'm going to mispronounce this, uh, gastrochysis? Yeah, gastrochysis or something? Gastrochysis, okay. Yeah, so, they just friends at Mala. Like, our first European gig, Party Can, was Mala Death Fest in 2012. And I met a bunch of guys there who are a bit younger. And they really liked the party can and just kept in touch. They were really into gore grind. And there's a band in the mall called Repugnance. And they were kind of doing some side stuff. So I was just kind of like friends, like writing a gore grind EP and releasing it. It was uh, nothing like majorly serious, but like fun. Like, it was good, good band, like fun songs and stuff. Yeah, cool gore grind, man. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And, um,. I, no, I get, I'm glad you checked out, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I, well, I get the impression, I guess, that that's more of like a one off thing. Uh, you're not planning more? or? No, no, we are doing more. We are doing more. I just kind of, it's kind of slow going. The guy who plays drums is an actual doctor. He works like 24 hour shifts in a hospital. So uh, that's kind of his main thing. But when wow. he has time, when I have time, uh, when Dan, like, however, oh, has time, we'll be another one. Like, songs are being written at the moment, so that will be killing at some point. Do you do you find yourself being a microbiologist, uh, being in that band with someone who's a doctor? Do you find you guys have maybe like a different take on death metal or a different approach to death metal? Just being involved in that kind of uh, uh, more academic and, and clinical type of work. 
Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. I guess, like, uh, Gabe the Doctor, he writes a lot of lyrics and they're very accurate. Like, I didn't know what Gasper Pieces was until he told me. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, it's like a brutal thing I learned out about uh, at university. He's like, wow, yeah, it's fucked, man. Uh, basically, what Gasper Pieces is, is when, like, a child is born and its organs are on the outside for some reason. This is a surprisingly common condition. What? And it's com- completely reversible. I had no idea. Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Reversible? Yeah, it's reversible. Like, yeah, they can, they can just put it back in, apparently. Wow. Uh, I'm guessing to some degree, but... In fact, right... Weird story about that. There's a gastrokesis support group on Facebook, and uh, someone shared the band to that group. So we were inundated with messages from just raging mums being like, "My son suffered from this condition, and you're writing songs about it." Mm. Like, oh, fuck, man, it's not real. It's a band. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that happened to your son or your kid or whatever, but messaging our band is not going to fix them. Yeah. And our band existing isn't going to make his condition worse. Wow. I understand the knee jerk reaction and stuff, but uh, yeah, I was mad. Like hundreds of messages. <laughs> what a specific intersection of the kind of <laughs> gore aesthetic. What were the chances? Yeah, wow. And people kind of real world affected by it. I mean, I'm not going to weigh in there because my, you know, my, my, my opinion has always been that with death metal and grindcore, we reflect. Uh, a lot of the ugliness and the unpleasantness of real oh, life. So I'm not going to tell you you have no right to make that band or make that song. But wow, that's that's crazy, man. Um, and I've you know I've seen other things from time to time when I'm trying to look up a specific death metal or gore grind band, and you come on some like medical website or something like you come across something completely different. You know, it it does happen from time to time. Um, that's that's interesting. Well, I got to recommend that quickly, uh, just for people who might want to look that up, who are fans of Party Cannon or Iniquitous Savagery. That's another um, uh, definitely worthwhile project to listen. And uh, again, I got something you brought up before. Um, correct me if I pronounce this wrong, but Gendo Akiri. Yeah, yeah, Gendo Akiri. Um, Shout to Gerald. I know Gerald is a longtime supporter of the program. Uh, he follows us on social media. He's reached out a few times. Good guy. Yeah, he's done a few covers of Artificial Brain stuff on guitar. He's like an insane guitar player, man. Yeah, I've seen him around on social media and exchanged messages with him a few times. So shout out to Gerald. I know he's. Um, yeah. I know that that's his. That's that's like his uh, his project, right? Yeah, yeah. So Gendo and Harry are all ex-members of a band, a mathcore band called The Color Pink Is Gay, who are like an amazing band in Scotland. And uh, I've known those guys for years. George is a guy who recorded the new Party Can album, like in his studio, the drummer. And he actually played drums on the Pirate and Half EP when we were kind of in between drummers. George might be the best drummer of all time. I'm not even like exaggerating. He can just huh. do anything. Yeah. Like, any kind of like weird, specific micro rhythm, he can he just do it. But uh, yeah, I've known those guys for a long time. So the two guitar players from the Color Pinkies game, one would move to Australia and one would move to England to work on F1 cars or something really specific like that. So I reached out to George and I'm like, oh, Gerald's really good at guitar, so if you want to keep Calpinic's gay going, Gerald can smooth the guitar and I'll play bass. Then he contacted me, oh, actually, we're just going to start a grindcore band instead, called Gendo Akari, so uh, why don't you just join in? So I did, then I recorded the first album and split. Then uh, my girlfriend at the time got really ill, so I had quite a few bands at the time that were closed. Sorry, guys, I'm going to have to step back from this for a bit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just kind of, they got a new guy in. Kind of let them go do their own thing, but an awesome band. We're still, still good friends. Yeah, I just had to shout shout Gerald and and that band out real quick because you did mention them. I thought I noticed that, and um, 
And, and actually, he also, I, I, I got to admit, he did kind of come to your defense a little bit when I first started dropping all this, this party cannon <laughs> shit talking yeah. on the platform. Glad Joe's going back. And he, he said Chris Ryan is the guy to get in touch with, uh, you know, to, 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 to hash it out and, and get to the bottom of everything. And he was right. So shout, shout out to Gerald uh, making peace in the underground scene. Um, and, you know, right, so, but now I feel like we've, we've safely touched upon a lot of your history and a lot of your projects and everything like that. I just want to give you the opportunity. You mentioned that Iniquitous Savagery uh, has new material coming out on Willow Tip Records. Uh, yeah, nothing to man, sneeze at. Awesome. Congratulations. Party Cannon, uh, despite the gangsters, despite COVID, despite the storage facility, you, you know, you guys got it. You did it. Um, new material coming out. If you could just just remind, just refresh our memory and plug everything that you might have coming out and anything that you might want to remind listeners and fans about right now. So the main thing really is that the next cyber album is going to be recorded at some point, but a new Party Count album has been recorded. We're just waiting on artwork, and that'll be out this year. And artwork's going to be amazing, though. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away, but we did this campaign late last year where we got our fans to submit pictures of them being sick. To be included in the artwork, we got 200 submissions of people throwing up to be included. In. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going where no slam band has gone before. With that. Beautiful. So that, that's kind of insane. But the material sounds really good. We've got some really interesting guest vocalists as well that people want to expect. So that'll be fun. I'm really excited for people to hear that. I'm going all the same kind of skill. It's faster. It's heavier and all that other stuff. I mean. Objectively, we, the BPM is higher. It probably is a bit heavier because the production is a bit better and stuff. But it's going to be good, man. I think if you like Party Cannon, if you like Slam, Brutal Death Metal, Gore Grind, there's going to be something in it for everybody. It's going to hardcore bits as well. It's good mix of everything that is going to Party Cannon. So that will be out this year on Gorehouse Productions. We recently them recently. What else do I have coming out? I'm doing some a few online projects with some guys. And we'll be announced pretty soon. And... Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of main things at the moment. Uh, people keep asking about Laceration. I don't know if you know that band. I, uh, I did see it on your profile uh, that that you were involved in that band for uh, maybe, a, what was that, like a, f- a few years in the early like years of Party Cannon? Yeah, so at one point, Laceration and Party Cannon were pretty much the same band. All the members of Laceration were in Party Cannon, and I was in Laceration at one point. I recorded album stuff, but uh, we released it. An album in 2013 on New Standard Elite. It was one of the first ever releases on New Standard Elite, and uh, people seem really into it. New music is going to come eventually, I think. Hamish, the guitar player, has written a bunch of stuff, and it sounds amazing. It's just a uh, fine time to do it. He's like a professional bodybuilder now, so he's kind of got his hands full of that. You better but watch out. It's coming to him. He might get into war metal if, that, if that's the vibe. Yeah, yeah you, never, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> might, might go the blasphemy route if, if he does too many reps. Uh, but no, seriously speaking, though, so yeah, I, I'm glad you shouted that out. I wasn't sure if Laceration was still active. Um, and for the listeners, we have talked about New Standard Elite uh, and that, that kind of style of death metal and that scene extensively with uh, former guest Polo Paguntalan on the Ping episodes. Uh, and check out Severing the Divine Iniquity, which is the 2013 album by Laceration. Uh, also, not to be confused with Laceration from Long Island. Uh, that was that. That was a short-lived band out here. That was actually one of the guys from Laceration booked he, the the, sh- the show with twelve locals and no headliners. But we, oh, we, no we he he had good intentions. He had good intentions. Oh, so there's um, a band from the band from the Bay Area called Laceration as well. Oh, and, okay. uh, they had a really similar logo to Laceration, like the band I was in. Huh. So I remember Hamish mentioned the guy. Hey man, 
I keep getting traffic from your page. Uh, maybe you want to change your logo or something. It's kind of it looks very similar to ours and same name and stuff. And the guy just told me to fuck off. <laughs> I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> he was like, like Hamish was not being a dick. As far as I'm aware, Hamish was not being a dick about it. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough, cool, man. Uh, they're more active than us, so have that while you can. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, that's that that's crazy. I've I'm I'm in a grind band here called Buckshot Facelift. And we've had uh, we we've never had any exchanges like that. We've had mostly polite exchanges with like uh, chainsaw to the face, box cutter facelift. There's there's a whole bunch of bands that are like you know very yeah. much in that uh, uh, like the violent the, face augmented theme band. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, that category. Yeah. But all right, Chris, but enough about that, um, Chris. I'm glad you you were able to uh, share uh, that about laceration at the end too, because I neglected to ask you about that. I think we covered just about everything. Except for at the end of each interview, we ask you to recommend one older album and one newer album by any artist you like, uh, metal or otherwise, just to recommend something cool for us and the listeners to check out. Cool, man. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit awkward about this. I'm going to recommend one old album, but I'm going to recommend two new demos. So that's kind of like an album. I'll allow it. Fair enough. I'll allow Go, it. I can do it. So the old album I would recommend is, uh, do you know Sean Whitaker from Texas? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so... I'd not, say not personally, decade but I'm familiar of with Deep Root Debauchery by Viral Load. That's like my favorite release man. Has old Viral Load songs re-recorded with James King on drums. I've been like listening to a lot, like this is one of my favorite albums. That is like like an essential death metal in my opinion. James King that from like, uh, slams and breakdowns, and it's still really technical and really catchy and the vocals are ridiculous. James King from Unmerciful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's very sick. And that's yeah. Sean Whitaker. That's like he's he's just going under his, his given name. He's releasing like solo albums, I guess you would call it now. Yeah, man. Yeah, as as yeah. Sean Whitaker. And it was a Saturday tour to Sean Whitaker when he first started doing that. Like his first tour as Sean Whitaker was in 2013. And we were on that tour. And yeah, that was really cool. Like, uh, Sean has a great reputation in scene, but anytime I've hung out with him, it's been a lot of fun. That tour was great. It was my first time in America. I'm a big viral load and Insidious Krebsley fan, so it's great to see him play those songs each night. I think we're ready to have musicians in death metal go out under their own name. Give, yeah, like, that's a like, bold move. And that, that's a situation that makes a lot of sense, you know what I mean? I, I just, I, it's it's not usual, but it, it, it works. I think it's really cool, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, like, look at the turnover of some of these bands, you know? Yeah, yeah like, I get it. There's, like, these staple members, just like, I, I understand the take. Yeah. I don't hate it. Uh, maybe Dallas from Nile will just go out as Dallas now. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> Why not? Who knows? Uh, all right, so cool. So what about, and then what about, um, you said you had two demos you wanted to talk about. Yeah, two demos that came out recently that I've been listening to a lot. So on New Standard Elite, the Theurgy demo uh, with my man Marco Finko on guitar and Roman on drums and on me. Uh, Polak on vocals. That's amazing. What, what was the band name again? Pro- what was that, sorry? What was the band name again? Theurgy. T H E U R G Y. Okay. Really cool, man. Really cool. Man. I don't like death metal as a melody. I know it's a ridiculous opinion. I don't like melodic death metal in any way. I love it. But, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. They do it really well. Like, the melodies don't really sound like diatonic, if that makes sense. It doesn't really sound like, oh, he's playing up and down like the fucking Amara minor. It's all kind of like, it kind of sounds like the crab of birth, but it's kind of a bit more distant. It feels like all kind of like stacked fifths and ninths and stuff. It's just really cool. And the riffs are fucking amazing. A lot of hyperblasting, a lot of breakdowns and stuff. It's just a really intense listen and fun stress stuff in it. It's like insane. 
like Marco can play guitar like fuck. Mm-hmm. It's in some weird tuning as well, it's like drop D and a octave down on an A string. Weird. Yeah, yeah. I gotta check this out. Alright. Yeah, the maze man. Theurgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Theurgy. Another demo that came out recently is a band from Texas called Stabbing. 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 I can't even like describe how I feel about that band name. Stabbing. There's a lot of stab bands. Recently. Well, well, they're you know, from, from Valentino from Stabbed, and then 200 Stab Wounds on Maggot Stomp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So nice. lost. So now stabbing. Yeah. Tell us. Hey, we're, yeah. we're we're just trying to reduce gun violence. If they want to stab people, do it. Right, <laughs> right man. It's stabbing. But yeah, Ninja is the demo. It's amazing. It's uh, ready from Flesh Holder on drums, and uh, the guitarist from Nephilim Grinder and Desperate Faith. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know Bridget Lynch. She does vocals in it as well. Really, yeah, it's fucking amazing. It's like, sounds like Super Fusion to be sunny, but just so brutal, so raw, like, yeah, the rest are amazing. Those are two demos that have been spinning a lot in the past few months. Okay, uh, Theurgy, and what was the second one? Stabbing. Stabbing, okay. Yeah. Uh, so we'll definitely uh, make sure to check those out, man. And uh, shout out to Sean Whitaker, uh, classic brutal death metal musician still in the game. People got to check that out. And again, I thought it was really cool when I saw him just going under his given name like that. Um, the boss move. Uh, so, uh, but uh, Chris Ryan, uh, thank you so much for your time for coming on the show, despite all <laughs> these inflammatory comments made on this podcast that I'm getting in front of and apologizing for to you and your bandmates right now. Thank you uh, for yeah. being the bigger Talk man. Thanks for having me on, man. This is one of my favorite podcasts. It's been great. Cheers. Uh, absolutely, brother. And as we always say, just any last words for followers and fans of your music and listeners of our show. Uh, check out Party Cannon and Nick to Surgery on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Party Cannon on Twitter now. You got next to it. Yeah, just stay healthy and stay safe, and hopefully see you at uh, America next year. Awesome, man. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna party hard, all right? Just like Wayne and Garth. Fun, man. Fun. There you have it, all the way from Scotland, Chris Ryan from Party Cannon, Iniquitous Savagery, uh, Laceration, Gastro... The, 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 the whole list goes on. You heard the interview, too. Um, and you can also check out that most recent Pestilectomy demo to hear him on bass if you want to. A lot of, Busy man. A lot of stuff coming out. Thanks to him. Shout to him. Uh, he took it on the chin with, with Big Will's joke time. Uh, you know, I, I, I got to say he's the bigger man. Dude, like, he's gangster know. resistant. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're nothing yeah, compared the, the, to the heat. Just flows right off of him. Yeah, you, you better watch. Party Cannon's probably scaling the walls of our studio as we speak right now, man. He, he flew over. He, he flew over just now. He's an expert at flying back and forth. <laughs> about to get carried granted. Yeah, I'm about to get blasted <laughs> with a party cannon. Uh, there's going to be a big cake, and like dying fetus is going to come out of it. Listen. <laughs> Uh, we appreciate uh, Chris Ryan from Party Cannon partying hard with us today uh, and telling us a little bit more behind the story. I, in all honesty, like I keep saying, all jokes aside, I felt like I got a little bit more context uh, into the band. 
Uh, I felt like I understand a little the depth of it, and I feel like I understand exactly where they sit in underground brutal death metal and gore grind a little bit better now uh, than when I made those highly inflammatory comments. To be fair, you're the only person I've ever met that has made fun of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I, so. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, I am like your archetypal, fat, lonely death metal singer who's bitter about things. There's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a it's, it's, a, it's like a, it's a, 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 a format that, you know, some death right. metal singers, like you have like the sexy death metal singers that take their shirt off on stage. Like the, Sherwood. They, they, the girls yeah. flock to them. They, they're, they're nowhere to be found by the merch table. Right. I am the guy who has OCD about lining up the cassette tapes on the merch table. And uh, yeah, so I'm like a very bitter, lonely death metal singer. That's where that comes from. It's just it's different breeds of death metal uh, guys out here. So the, the I, you know, yeah, I do appreciate as we've you know uh, as our journey through this podcast and uh, Tom and I showing you more of the internet uh, <laughs> that that you've been a little more receptive to toward some fun. Uh, yeah, like, I, I like fun. <laughs> fun. I like I like a good gif every once in a while. <laughs> you know what I mean. Good. I'm glad. Oh, uh, man. I, I slip a meme in there every once in a while. It's all good, man. <laughs> of course, of course. Listen, uh, but, uh, you know, we got hijacked. We got our party crashed tonight by Chris Ryan, but it's okay. He, he, he had a reason to be mad at me. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really get into the weekend and something. Worlds collided this weekend, Justin. Oh, my God. Yeah. We, that uh, was amazing. We saw, uh, that, that's right. You said it perfectly. Colliding worlds. Yeah, two uh, two forces, man. Yeah, meeting uh, up in parking lots, like two, two generations like, like a, of fish of Bassmasters. That's right. Two generations of Bass. It was kind of like like remember I was on I was on Instagram Live a few weeks ago talking about death metal, big shock, <laughs> and Tom's dad just just like you know got like like took his shirt off and tried to fight me on Instagram Live. <laughs> yeah, like, that he was, took his gold chain off and his shirt. Yeah, yeah, he was, it was he made Tom hold his chain. It was crazy. Uh, I, I don't want the beef, but yeah. So like, I then then the other day, uh, I'm driving my father around town. We're driving past the harbor. The charter boat is loading up passengers to go fishing, and I'm like, "Who's that in the in the pit viper shades over there?" I, I, those pit viper shades look familiar. Is is a pit about to break out? Are there? And I heard a riff in the distance too. Like, That's right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like a like an elegant kind of like you know wind brought it like a hawk screaming, but it was a dissonant riff. Um, you know. It's it's hilarious too because whenever I've been going fishing lately, I put riffs out there uh, yeah. in in the general Huntington Station direction, like just hoping that yeah exactly hoping that 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 yeah. you come shumming you know, the riff yeah five. yeah so I was I pulled up with my dad I pulled up on Justin in the parking lot with my dad Justin was a little scared he didn't know what was going on at first but we just wanted to talk fishing that's all we didn't want any any crazy action. But we, we got we, I, I captured a little clip of it on the on the IG live. My dad was talking to my dad talks about fishing in Montauk and uses the phrase getting beat to shit out there on like that's I've been hearing about getting beat to shit on the waters of Montauk my entire life. Like it's some sort of like mystical like going to Mordor in Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? So you, you got the you got the ill story there. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great meeting Papa Uncle Buck. You know, it was awesome. He goes by this by the surname Moose. There you go. In Huntington, he's definitely actually yeah. He's known as Moose. You got to a- ask about him. Uh, but it's a pleasure. The important part: Did you come home with anything after that charter boat cruise? No, absolutely nothing. 
C. Robbins, uh, really? my buddy uh, Andy, who I was with, he he get, he kept one fluke, but the whole thing was slow all wow. day. Wow. Uh, we were just uh, we were just showing pictures of how good the day before was. Allegedly, uh, which is which is fun. Well, you but, know, yeah. they, 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 I caught I caught a cold apparently. Oh. As you always <laughs> say, Justin, that's they don't call it catching; they call it fishing, right? Another another day, man. That's Jeez. right. Never a bad day. Yeah, never about. Well, after that, me and my dad, we went up and we walked the mall. So that's um, I'm wearing New Balance sneakers. Oh, I'm yeah. walking the mall. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm drinking coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's it's going good. I'm adapting like senior living in, into my lifestyle. It's comfortable. It's nice. It's quaint, cozy. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's that's all. Fun. I just wanted to share that with the listeners. They can see a little video if they they think Big Will's lying. They think we're we're fabricating this. This is not kayfabe. I actually saw Justin over the weekend. It was great. Um, you know, one day we'll do our uh, our fishing podcast where we all play those you know one string riffs uh, down to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, uh, together. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. All I need is one string, like Nas said in that song. One five hundred yard string. Yeah, L- uh, laced, uh, uh, bra- braided line um, to make sure it doesn't snap on you. But listen, we'll save this for our fishing podcast, Justin. I see that your dog. I can see this via Skype right now. You, you meant you see. I know that I know these terms. Skype. You got me on the internet now. I see that your dog is jealous and wants and desperately wants your attention, Justin. I think it's about time we might have to wrap this up. I'm cool with that. Yeah. So right, let's do it. Yeah. I'm, I have a lot of phone calls to make. The tech support. Uh, the handlers of our website. We got to lock that down. Encrypt the codes or. More uh, numerals in the password or something like that because we are getting invaded way too much. Yeah, I, I, they're coming in from Scotland and the UK now. I don't even know what's Do we need like an international firewall? I don't know what the internet lingo is. Yeah, I, something like that. Well, Justin, when you're making those, making those phone calls now, do me a favor. Uh, call up the voicemail uh, just so the list, in case the listeners are scared, they don't know how to do it. Uh, give them a little trial run. What's that number, Tom, if the listeners want to hit us with a voicemail? 631-837-3274. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Justin's dog was so adorable that it just completely distracted me. That's 631-837-3274. What a good dog. Thank you, uh, Tom. So you could call. Maybe you don't like Big Will. Maybe you don't believe, maybe you don't believe I have a father. Maybe you think I was created in a laboratory somewhere out of an egg. I don't know. Leave a voicemail. Yeah. Talk about it. Maybe maybe you're still mad. Maybe Chris Ryan forgave Big Will for what he said about Party Cannon, but you didn't. Call up and rep Party Cannon on the Heavy Hole Podcast, all right? Call up and leave us a voicemail, vent, or recommend a nice hot little gore grind demo, whatever you got to do, say hi, you know, whatever. We'll be playing a few voicemails next week. We have a bunch right now, but since Justin's not here, it's kind of like hard to do this. We appreciate the people who've been leaving voicemails, uh, but we also have to be selective and do it when it um, best fits our format. Uh, Sometimes the interviews run longer or shorter. Sometimes Justin gets sick out on a fishing boat and can't make it. But we're going to give you those voicemails (laughs) as they come in. Uh, please keep. What are you? Are you drinking like a, a some sort of tonic? What is that? Castor oil? Yeah, this is a uh, snake oil. Snake, uh, I, snake I oil. buy this uh, from a guy that shows up in my backyard. Uh, Carl knows Sanders. I get sick, you know, uh, around the change in temperatures, or uh, how how much I've been fishing lately. So if he's like, "Hey, it dipped below sixty degrees, and uh, you're up to your knees in that water," I'm going to sell you this oil in the backyard. So I sip on that. 
and I'll be ready to go tomorrow. It's a little Soapy Smith keeping you clean and a John R. Brinkley keeping you hard. Well, here, okay. here's a question <laughs> about how many drops of that would it take to solve this case of gastrochysis? One. Oh, 